How's everybody doing this morning? Can you hear me pretty good? If I could go up just a little bit, that would be awesome. It's all that rock and roll I listened to when I was younger. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ruined my hearing. I was a hip-hop girl. I bet you didn't believe that for a million dollars, right? Is everybody doing good today? What a beautiful baby dedication. I tell you, I just prayed over every baby up there, just so you know, all dedicated to Jesus. Even if they've been dedicated before, there's nothing wrong with a double dose. Amen. It's so good to have your family here, um, Allison and Matthias, and love you both so much. All right, Father, we thank you for this time together to share the word of God. Lord, you've already done so much by your spirit through your anointing. And we just say, Lord, the remainder of this service, your presence is here. Your love is here. Your healing is here, God. And that you are still extending grace and mercy through the power of your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Give it up for our praise team this morning. What a beautiful, beautiful time. And did you guys notice my goddaughter up there on the guitar? You know how you, you claim like your family when Maya was on the guitar today. I was so stinking proud of her. She's only 15, so that was really awesome. I was proud of her. But So I'm excited today. We are starting a new series, so you guys are on the ground level. And we are finishing up our fast. I hope you guys enjoyed your fast these last 21 days. I don't know, was anybody, you know, kicking and screaming during the fast? A little bit. I was. I was like a little resistance. But I tell you, God spoke a lot to me. There was a lot in the spirit God did. And I'm just very excited for this year and what God is going to continue to do. Because God gave me a word that this is the year of awakening. That God is opening up the hearts of the believers and opening up our spiritual eyes so that we can see the supernatural power of God. Amen. And I think in, in order to see this awakening, in order to be prepared for what God's going to do, we, the church, are going to have to rise rise up. And there are some things that we're going to need to do in this season that God is calling us to do. You know, there's seasons in the kingdom of God, isn't there? If you've been ser serving the Lord a certain amount of time, there are seasons. And it's almost like you can do very little and God just blesses you like crazy. And then there's seasons where you just feel like, man, you're trying to do so much and there's very little breakthrough. And I believe that we're in a season that God is calling his church to exercise the first principles of our faith. You know, we've gotten so deep in the kingdom, and we've got so much rich word, especially in this church and being under bishop, and the, the word is so deep and so rich, but sometimes we just need to go back to the fundamentals of our faith and go, I may already know that, but am I practicing it? Because it's those fundamentals, it's the beginning walk of our faith where we first learned our salvation, where we first learned how to pray, and we first learned to lay hands on the sick, and all those things, we can get away from that or forget about it because we want to go deeper in the things of God. And I believe God is calling his church and calling his kids back to the fundamental principles of the joy of our salvation of learning to pray again, learning to walk in the spirit, learning to walk by faith and not what we see, walking in divine healing. Wednesday night, if you didn't get to see my teaching online, I highly encourage you to listen to it. If you can sit down with a notebook and your Bible, open up the word of God because I'm just beginning to teach on as Christians, we can walk in a fearless life. And God has called us to walk fearless, hasn't he? And so God's bringing us back to that. And so I've been digging deep 
into healing scriptures and putting his healing teaching together and praying the power of healing. And I'm not sure when I'm going to release it yet because it's a pretty deep teaching. But God is really bringing me back to stir up my faith, to get the word of God active in my life so that we can see the miracles of God that God has called us as Christians to walk into. So in this four-part series, I'm very excited. I'm going to be talking on why pray. Okay. I know when it says, oh, it's corporate prayer. Oh, I don't think I really want to do that. It's not like everybody comes busting out of the seams going, yeah, I'm ready to pray. Because prayer crucifies the flesh. You know, it requires a little bit of us. And I'm going to talk about some reasons maybe why we aren't praying. But we as the church need to get back to realize the power of our prayers. And when you realize when you pray what you are activating, you'll be more apt to say, hey, I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to pray some bold faith prayers to God and expect miracles in return. So my topic today in Why Pray, the first week is strengthened in power. We're going to talk about when you pray, you are strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit. We need to go back to or even learn how to pray with passion and pray with power. Now, I'm not talking about praying in emotions because emotions does not move the hand of God. I'm talking about praying supernatural prayers that shakes heaven and earth, that releases the supernatural, that releases healings when we pray over people, that sets the captives free, that breaks depression over our life, that breaks debt cancellation in our life. We need supernatural prayers, amen? We don't need little bitty baby prayers. I need some powerful, faith-filled prayers in my life to be activated. And I believe that all of us in this room, how many would say, you don't have to raise your hand, but believe in the power of prayer. I know we do. We believe in the power of prayer. But if we all were really honest, are we really praying powerful prayers? Are we really activating the power of God in us to see the supernatural come to pass, right? We know as God's kids that God answers prayer but we struggle with some things. And I'm going to expose some of those things this morning. Are you ready? So there are reasons why we don't pray. We all have different reasons. One may be we just don't know how to. You know, you could be serving God a very long time and maybe even know your Bible, but you're like, I don't really know how to pray or what I should pray. So we resist praying because we don't know how to pray. And prayer is so easy. It's a conversation with God. You know, I learned this very young that God made my personality, and thank God there's only one Barb Pruitt. I don't know if the world could handle a couple of us running around, but, you know, I learned that God made me in my personality and my type and my style, so I talk to God just like I am because he created me this way. So if I'm a quiet, which I'm not, but if you're a quiet person, then you just say your quiet prayers, and that's powerful. If you're a jabber jaws, you're going to say a lot of words in your prayers, which I do, but you have to be authentic to who you are when you pray. It's not your many words. It's just praying the power of God through faith. So maybe you don't know how to, or maybe you just simply get bored. And I'll tell you the truth. I'll be very vulnerable. Even since I was young in the Lord, I love to pray. I love to walk and pray. One thing I've always struggled with is corporate prayer. Okay, you all, you can gasp, go, oh, You can guess, yes, the pastor struggles with corporate prayer. I do because I do have a tendency in my flesh to kind of check out, maybe get a little bored, or now because I'm leading, I have to be responsible. So I'm like, well, is God here? Is this the right direction? So I get overwhelmed. So maybe you just find prayer boring, and that's just the truth, and don't judge me because I know you all think it too. 
Maybe while we pray, we just get distracted. As anybody said, I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to take this time, and I'm going to dedicate it to the Lord. Maybe you did that during the fast, and you, you, know, you open up your Bible, and you start talking to God, and it's like every distraction hits you that can hit you. Like, I remember something I should have done two months ago right when I started to pray. It's like that cartoon, look, a squirrel. It's like every time I go to pray, something distracts me and something gets me off course, right? So we, these things happen when we go to pray. But what we're going to learn today is when you know the power of your prayer and learn that they are effective, you'll be able to rein in all these reasonings why it's difficult to pray. How many of you have ever been to like a prayer group, maybe within a home, and they ask you to hold someone's hand next to you? Like, don't you hate that? Let's just be honest. Like, even when the pastor says, everybody grab hands across the room. Of course, now we don't do it because of everything we've gone through. But I'm like, I really don't want to touch my neighbor's hand. It isn't that I don't love him, but you got the guy next to you that grabs your hand really hard. Like, the more powerful the prayer, he's squeezing your hand harder and harder. And, like, my ring is imprinting. Like, one time... I had my class ring on, you know, 1987, and it imprinted on my pinky. Like, the dude was squeezing so hard. And then you got the guy over here is like, careless. He's got, like, this, I call it the limp fish hand. It's like, and it's kind of sweaty. And you're like, I can't even think about praying. Like, you know, gross. <laughs> There's all these distractions. But I think one of the biggest things, too, why we struggle with praying is because there's an intimidation. You ever been around somebody that prays so good, and they're like, man, they just pray the word of God. Like, we bind the devil. We cast him into hell. We're blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. We're prosperous. We're victorious. And you're like, I don't even know a scripture verse. You're like, that dude must be Moses' brother or somebody because he just knows the word of God. And I would stand back and go, man, if I was God, I would answer that prayer. Like, that was a pretty good prayer. And I really don't have much to say. So we feel intimidated of like, man, I just don't know if I have the right words to say. You know, um, you ever seen those uh, movies where they want to have like a really good conversation and they start quoting like the lyrics of a song? Like I feel like sometimes in prayer we might want to do that. Like we want to quote things that we know in the world instead of just going, man, I can just talk to God. So let's talk about two things this morning of mistakes that we make when we pray as Christians. Number one, our prayers are too small. They're too small. God wants to honor his word, and he wants to honor big miracles. You know, it's okay if we go, God, bless my day. God, go before me. Give me favor. Those are, there's nothing wrong with that. But God is like, well, I want to show off my glory. I want to show off my power. Number two is our prayers are too general. They're too general. We pray this, God, grow the church. Well, God's like, well, what do you mean grow the church? What do you want? You know, God, heal my marriage. Well, what do you want in your marriage? God doesn't want this general prayer. God wants us to be specific in this hour. What do you want from God? And whatever that is, then you identify, how am I going to get there? What do I need to do to be specific with God? If it's to get out of debt, I'm going to get everything together, and I'm aiming at that debt with God. And I'm going to be specific in my prayers, amen? We don't want to have a lack of faith for a supernatural God. This is the season, church, where we need to put our face so far out there that only God can do that miracle in your life. And if it's something that you can kind of do and you can kind of work out, God can't get any glory out of that. I'm talking about supernatural, powerful prayer, amen? God is saying this, give me something that helps show off my glory when I answer it. 
Let's dig a little deeper, amen? If you want to buy a house, put your faith out there and declare that. If you need your body healed of cancer or any diagnosis, you put your faith out there. Why? Because I need something that only God can get the glory for. Nothing I can do in my natural, but I need the power of God to show up in my life. But God's like, I'm here for you, but you're not asking You've got these little baby prayers down here, but you don't have your faith up here to show off my glory. Let's look at Psalm 77, verse 14. This is so powerful. And I'm telling you, God is challenging me in my faith to really stir up for some supernatural things. It says this, you are the God who does wonders. He's not a little God. He's a God that wants to show off. He wants to show his glory. You have declared your strength among the people. Amen. The Christians, the believers need to be the ones that are shining with the glory of God. You need to be favored. You need to be promoted. You need to walk in divine health. You need to have a marriage that is excelling. Why? Because my God is a God that wants to show off in my life. But we see ourselves down here. We see ourselves inadequate. We see ourselves beneath who God says that we are when we are in Christ Jesus. And my prayers are powerful, and they are working, and they are effective according to the word of God. Amen? We serve a God who says, I can do all things who's, that's possible. Amen? To him who believes. Why do we undercut God? Why do we limit a God of the supernatural for just enough when God says, I want to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could think, dream, or imagine this is the God that we serve? We need to take this just enough mentality and get it out of our life. God, this is a season for more than enough. It's a season of overflow. It's a season of blessing, and it's the season of prosperity. Why? Because I'm your kid, and you want to show off for me. Man, there's something about that, isn't it? God could do so much more in our life if we would dare to ask. We've got these faith-filled, powerful prayers quiet on the inside of us. And God says, if you just open up your mouth and ask me for big things, I will fill it. Isn't that good? Let's put our faith out there. We need to be writing in our journals, declaring what God is, as God is speaking in our life and over our life. Let's not limit God this year. Amen. Let's see God show off in our lives. Listen to this. General prayers don't move God to specific actions. Just go ahead and let that set in your heart for a minute. General prayers don't move God to specific actions. Maybe you've been praying a general prayer, and God's like, no more of that. I need you to get specific with me. What do you want, and what does it look like, and what does my word say about it? And that's all you need to know. Amen? If you look at James, I don't know if we're going to open it up. We're not. But James 4, I tell you, I'm going to dig in the book of James this week because as I was studying this, it was so exciting. But in James 4, 1 through 6, he's talking about um, people are fighting for what they want, but they can't get it. They're actually striving and arguing, and they're killing people for the things that they want, but they can't attain. And James goes on to say, he goes, if you only knew, you have not because you ask not. Like, what are we fighting over and striving over in our life and we're not attaining? How many, you know, marriage conversations get heated because we're fighting over things, but we're not asking God for them? 
We have not because I'm asking not. Let's stop fighting with the world or fighting with each other or fighting the system. Let's go to God and say, you said I could have it if I ask it, and it's done according to your word. We need to ask very specific prayers that only he could do. Amen? Otherwise, it'd be impossible to see them. And as I was studying this, I'm, I, and I'm writing it, and I'm like, God, I'm, we're saying ask for prayer. I'm, I'm requesting my prayer request. And I, it's fine. We're going to pray and we're going to ask. But really, if you look at the word, God did not ask. He created. It's done. God didn't ask himself, do you want some light? He said, no, let there be light. And what happened? It was light. When God speaks, it's done. We are creators. Speak the word of God. I'm not asking for healing. You can pray for healing, but it's already done. We should be declaring it. I'm declaring like God said, that my children will walk in health and protection and, and the blood of Jesus around them and their immune system is strong. I'm declaring it. Why? Because the word of God said it. I'm not sitting from a low position asking and begging God to do something. No, I've been raised in heavenly places with Jesus, and I am seated with Jesus in spiritual places that I've been given divine power and authority to say, if it's written in the word, it has to come to pass. That's bold prayers. No, yeah, your flesh isn't going to line up to it. Your emotions are, but we don't pray from that seat. We pray from our authority in Christ Jesus. God says, my word, when it is sent forth, accomplishes that to which it was sent, and it does not come back to you empty. You can't stop the word of God from working. It's powerful. It's like back in the, I think it was the 80s, they created this bomb, the tomahawk and I've shared this a few times, but it was a new bomb back, back in the 80s. And I think it was the Gulf War. I don't know. Anyway, um, they created this bomb that they learned they could drop anywhere in the air and they could navigate that bomb to go exactly where it needed to go. And it could be hundreds of miles away. And the people that were walking in the streets literally could see the bomb drop in the city and go right down the streets. And they would go and hit the target that it was designed to send, that it was sent to. That's the power of the word of God. The word of God will find a way out of every obstacle. The word of God will come against every resistance. Why? Because it's sent to do that. And it destroys everything in its past. Well, you don't understand my boss. No, the word of God will destroy that. Well, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. I don't have to understand. The word of God destroys it. When you understand the power of God's word and you declare the word of God, it breaks every force hold of hell and it destroys every opposition and it levels every mountain. Man, I'm so thankful for the revelation of God's word. I would never be standing as a Christian today in my walk with Jesus because I would have gave up a long time ago. I got discouraged years ago. I wanted to throw on the towel years ago. Those were battles that were of old. But when you know the word of God and you know the power of that lives on the inside of you, nothing can stop you. And the church in this season needs to say, you know what? I'm going to pull up my faith. I'm going to declare. I'm going to open up my mouth and pray what God has said over my life and my children and my family so that I can see the working miracle power of God in my life. Amen. We need specific prayers. We need prayers that no one can deny that that was but God. Only God could have done that. Amen. That's big faith-filled prayers. 
Let me give you this example. I was studying some prayers of some, sometimes you got to go back to the old school to really find the power of God. And I was studying Martin Luther, and he was the father of the Reformation, and he had this enormous task of reforming the church. And he had an assistant. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, his friend and assistant. His name was Frederick Myconius. And in, 19, in 1540, Myconius got very, very sick. And he wrote a letter to his friend and said, I'm dying, I send my love to you. And basically that letter was of closure that he was literally passing away and dying. And when Martin Luther got this letter, he said, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable that you're willing to die and give in to that. And he wrote a letter back to his best friend, and this is what he said. He said, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, because I seek only to glorify the name of God, Martin Luther. Now, when when, uh, Myconius got this letter, he was already lost his ability to speak. He was hours from death. And they read this letter of this specific faith-filled prayer. God will not permit you to die because we still have work to do for the kingdom. That's some faith-filled prayer. And he sent it to his friend knowing he was dying, knowing he was weak. In our flesh, we would go, well, that's not very considerate. What if he wants to go? What if he wants to be with the Lord? No, I will not permit it because God says the work is not done. That is specific prayers. That's the power of God. We don't give in to anything the world or doctors want to say. No. He declared, friend, you're going to live and we're going to serve together until Jesus says so. Amen. And so what happened? He got up from his deathbed and he lived six more years. And guess what? He didn't die until Martin Luther died two months later. Fulfilled the power of his prayer. Be specific in what you want, amen? All things are possible with God. And what are we going to have to fight? Our stinking thinking. We're going to have to fight this brain right now because everywhere in the world is shouting fear, fear, fear. And guess what? They're going to continue to shout fear, fear, fear because that's the devil's agenda. We as the church, and I'm trying to get you there, and I know we can't get there overnight, but I'm trying to activate this faith on the inside of you. If it's not one thing, it'll be another thing that the devil will throw through the church. Amen? And we're going to have to rise in this hour and say, God is with me. Four things that Paul prayed, and we'll be talking about this over the next three weeks, but Paul was a, a persecutor of Christians. I call him the modern-day ISIS. He killed Christians. He used to be called Saul, and he met the grace of Jesus. And what did he begin to do? He started building churches all over. And he would build a church up, and he'd leave a pastor there. He was an apostle, and he'd go build another church and leave a pastor there. And what he would do to keep in contact with them is he would write them letters so that they would stay on course of the assignment of God. Because how many know churches can get off? Amen? Okay, so what he would say in these prayers, and always in his prayers and his letters, he would open up and he would say this, I pray, and there was a blank, so that, and there was a reason why he was praying. So he's saying that I'm praying this specific thing so that I can get that. So I want you to get this in your heart. When you want that, what are you going to pray? 
I'm going to be specific. And he was very intentional with his letters. I'm praying this way so that the church can be this way or you can be that way. He was very specific. And if you read the letters of Paul, which is three-fourths of the New Testament, he was very bold in his letters. He didn't hold back. Amen? So the first prayer that we find is in Ephesians 3. It was around 60 AD. He was writing this letter from a Roman prison. And it says this in uh, Ephesians 3.14. For this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, I want to look at that word kneel because I want to focus because in prayers, we can pray anyway. You don't have to take the stature of kneeling or the position of kneeling. You know, back in the normal posture for the Jewish prayers is they would stand with their hands open or they would daven at the wall. So there's traditional ways of praying. You can be sitting, driving, any way of praying. But I love the way that he put kneeling in here because that posture of kneeling is, a, to me, a position of saying, I really need God in this moment. You know, it's like a position of really humbling himself to saying, I'm really lowering myself, God, because what needs to happen, I really need you above me over this matter. And so sometimes I think there's a wonderful thing about just kneeling in the presence of God. Or, you know, if, if you can't kneel, just sitting quietly and allowing that posture to say, God, this cannot happen by me, but I need you. Amen? I'm in absolute need of you. And there's a reverence when we do that. There's a humility that I think is so beautiful in that. So he says, I kneel before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Now let's look at verse 16. Here's his first prayer. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches... So how does he pray? I'm praying that his glorious riches. So what does that mean? The riches there means wealth and abundance. What I'm about to pray, I need the abundance of God in my life. Not just wealth. Hallelujah. How many need to be prosperous and want to be prosperous? God wants you blessed. He wants witty inventions. He wants you to be prosperous. But he also wants this abundance in your life emotionally and spiritually. So what I'm about to say is I need the riches of God. He said, but not just riches. I need the glorious riches of God. So I looked up that word glorious, and it means this. I need the opinion of God. Wow. I need the judgment of God. I need the magnificence and the excellence of God. I need all that God is in his glory to show up for what I'm about to pray for. Doesn't that change that whole letter and that verse? I need God to show up. And that word, um, yeah, the riches is about everything that God has. He delights in blessing his children. So God wants to bless you with all that he is. Now, I've been studying in Matthew 17. I told you I'm talking about um, faith and healing and really putting this teaching together. And I went to Matthew 17, and we don't have time to go there, but it was the Mount of Transfiguration. And I really saw this portion of the story so different because Jesus was walking among them, but he trans transformed in front of them into the glory of God. He wanted to show them that, yes, I'm Jesus and I'm here, but I also am the glory of God. And if you look at that scripture, it says that when he was transfigured, his face shone like the sun. It's the radiant, he, he was radiating God's glory. So when I pray, what am I doing? I'm praying for the glory of God to radiate on that situation. And the scripture says in Matthew that his clothes became white as the light. 
So when we pray these faith-filled prayers, as you pray, see the glory of God, the anointing of God going to that situation. It's a visualization that God can only do when I'm praying right now. And that takes you out of the picture. How many are glad you don't have to do it? Because I know many times we walk and pray, and I still walk out the door going, okay, God, what am I going to do? What plan? What agenda? What do I need to do? What don't we do? What do? No. Let God's glory shine. Amen. I need the glorious riches of God to show up in my prayer. So why do I need his glorious riches? Let's look again at that scripture verse. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. What was he saying? I need the glorious riches of God that he may strengthen the power of God in me. In other words, I need to see the power of God in me. I need God's opinion of the power in me. And if I'm not praying that, I can't exercise that power of God that he gave me. What is that word power? It's dunamis, just like the word dynamite. So when we're praying these big prayers, I need explosive dynamite prayer. I need something that only God can take care of according to the power that lives on the inside of me. Amen. It's a supernatural power. When you pray, there are prayers you are not going to get with just your words. How many of you have talked to your blue in the face with God and the situation didn't change? It's because we're not walking in the authority and the power. We don't have a revelation that God's power lives and illuminates through us. I'm so thankful I know I'm eliminated from this equation. So we need the supernatural power of God in order to have supernatural worship like our praise team. It's not enough for us to sing the song. We have to tap in to the supernatural power of God that's in the atmosphere for miracles. When I read the word of God, I don't need to just read chapters anymore. You will fall asleep. The best sleep remedy is pull out your Bible. It's like the best melatonin you can get on earth. I don't know what it is, but it will put you to sleep. But we have to go when we read our Bible. I need the word of God to speak to me. I need the word of God to bring revelation and truth. And I need the power through God's glorious riches to show me the truth of the word of God. Amen? I need the supernatural. So when I read the word of God, I say, God, I ask that you illuminate your truth to me. Because I don't need to read just another good book. I need something in that Bible to change me, to give me hope, and to give me life. And if I'm just reading the good old scripture of the day, it's not going to produce the power of God. Amen? I promise you, it won't take long, 10 minutes in the Word, and God will give you something, I promise you, because that's the power of His Word. But we have to take time to do that, amen? We need power for demonstration. We need power for healing. We need power to parent. Hallelujah. All parents said? Amen. We need power to stand strong. We need power to be bold in this world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And for what you need in your life and what you're believing God for, we need more than what we have in this physical realm. I need a lot more than what I can do in the natural. 
I need the supernatural power of God. Amen. Uh, there was a friend of mine who, uh, they were younger and they had a home. And, and you know how when you have those homes that you just moved into, everything seems to be broken and you got to get it fixed, but you can't afford to get it fixed. And so my friends had this garbage disposal that never worked the whole time, which I don't know how you cannot live without a garbage disposal. I love mine. But um, so anyway, they were getting ready to sell their house. And my friend said, you know, I, there's this little thing underneath. Have you ever seen that, honey, that thing underneath? It's like a little crowbar or whatever. Um, she said, I wonder if we stuck that under there and did this, if that would do something. And so sure enough, they're getting ready to sell the house. And she reaches up under there, does that thing, and it's, it just sings like a baby. That garbage disposable works. And what they realized is they had the tool to fix it the entire time they lived there. The entire time it was just sitting there. And they lived beneath with a broken garbage disposal when they had a tool to fix it. And that's how we are living as Christians we are living lower than God wants to. He says, I've given you the tool. It's the power of your voice. I've given you the tool. It's the power of the word of God. But you won't use it. How many of you have those? I, I learned this course many years as I started having my own home and stuff. But you got that one light switch that like controls the outlet. And you don't realize it, so I would plug in an extension cord and take it to wherever, you know, I found an outlet that worked. Didn't realize all I had to do was flip on the light switch to the one that it was originally plugged into, right? You tap into the power. When you tap into the power of God, it illuminates the purpose of God, amen? We've got to flip the switch in how we think. We've got to flip the switch in how we feel. God wants to illuminate his glory in your life, but we've got to change our mind and know that I need the supernatural power of God to make this thing happen, amen? You've got all the power available to you, and he's called the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 17, Ephesians 3, 17. And I pray, here he goes again, that you, being rooted and established in love, our roots need to be in the love of God. Verse 18, why? That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Why do I need power? To grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you know you need power to really understand the love of God? Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses my knowledge. We can't comprehend the love of God, can we? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Have you ever looked at someone else in the church or online and you wonder why they have these things that the word of God says and we don't? You're like, what, what's happening? Like, how do they have peace in the middle of the storm? How come they can be calm and confident and forgive easily? And I think it's just because they're using the tool in front of them. They're using the word of God to say that through God's love, I know who I am, and I can use the power of the word of God because I have the power to understand the depth of God's love for me. Because God loves me so much, he has not called me to live beneath. Because he loves me so much, he doesn't want me to have lack. Because I know he loves me, he doesn't want me sick. Because I know he loves me, he wants my family blessed and prosperous, and he wants his church to be blessed and flourishing and grow. We need the supernatural power of understanding the love of God. Amen? When I talk about understanding the love of God, you know, I kind of go back to what the church went through the last few years of, you know, God loves you. 
It's like this, you know, love boat that God loves you just the way you are. And it's true. God does love you just the way you are, but he loves you enough to change you. See, love, teaching and learning the love of God is not, well, oh, God loves me. I'm ooey gooey, and he just loves me so much. No, there's power in knowing the love of God because when you know God's love, he frees you. God's love frees you. God's love heals you. Yes, come as you are, but it's not a ooey gooey, I feel God's love. I wish I felt God's love more than I do. I wish I had an emotion of, oh, God loves me so much. Like that's probably 1% of my walk in faith. But I don't walk by what I feel. I know God's loved me because he gave me the power to understand his love is so deep and so wide and so massive that everything he gave in the word, he said, it's mine. And I understand that love. And I'm like a kid that knows my covenant. If my daddy's got a million dollars in the bank, I say, give me my credit card. Hallelujah. That's my benefits. If I know my, doc, my, my dad's a great physician, I'm showing up at his office to give me the remedy because you know the love of your God. We live lowly because we don't have a revelation of the true nature of God. God doesn't want to, oh, I'm just going to love you in your pain. No, he loves you to free you. He loves you to restore you. He loves you to set you free. That is the God that we serve. Amen? It's a supernatural power. So when you pray over your children, the best thing and over your family is that they would know the love of God, not ooey gooey, but the depth of who God is, that they are approved by God before any time the world says they're approved. They're valued and they're accepted just by God alone. And if you can teach your children that, they will overcome every temptation in the world. When I was a youth pastor, I always said, if I could open up the youth, and just put one thing, if God said you could just put one thing in them forever, what would it be? And I'd be like, God, that they would know you really love them. Because it's only been me knowing he loves me that has made me serve God this long, make me go through the valley of the shadow of darkness, made me go through heartbreak and betrayal, because I know God loves me. And I can stand on that word in confidence, amen? Praying over your spouses that they would know and understand the love of God. Something that we have to understand about God's love is, number one, there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me more. Nothing. And there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me less. Why? Because God is love. Isn't that awesome? It's not something he does. It's who he is. And when you know this, when you really know God loves you, it takes you to this relationship from Sunday, and it makes you have a relationship with him every day of the week. Because I know that he loves me. Now I'm a Christ follower. Now I know that his power dwells on the inside of me. And the more I know his love, suddenly I realize I don't need to have the lower things of this world. When I get a bad report from the doctor, I can stay calm because I know he's the great physician. When some, something overtakes me and takes my breath away, I know that God will get me through it. Why? Because I'm going to flip the switch. Why? Because I'm going to get the power tool out. I'm going to use what God gave me to get myself through this situation. Amen? Trying to teach someone to understand God's love is difficult. It's challenging because you don't know unless you've really experienced that moment with him. And he wants it for everyone. It's taking time aside to really allow him to do that. But there was this quote I found from um, a famous jazz trumpeter. You guys probably know him, Louis Armstrong. And someone asked him to explain what jazz was. What is jazz? And this is what he said to them. He said, man, if I got to explain it to you, 
you ain't got it. And I think that's how it is. Like, you can't really explain it until you experience. And God has it for all of us. And my prayer this year is that this church would experience the depth and the encounter with our holy God. Amen. When we're singing a song, we're not just going to sing a song. We're going to dwell in the presence of God. We're going to let the Holy Spirit guide us and move us through his assignment. Amen. Like I said earlier, as you're reading the word of God, I want to, as I start to close here this morning, I want to read another quote I found from uh, Charles Finney. I love these patriots of of the faith. And he was a follower of Jesus, and he loved Jesus, but he had this encounter one day that changed his entire life, and he, he wrote this in one of his books. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. Isn't that powerful? I could feel the impressions like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. That's the beauty of our love with God. God's not condemning you. God's not iron fisting you. God's not expecting anything from you but to feel his presence and to know the depth of his love. Amen. God wants to come in waves and waves of his love over your life. The same power that lives in Christ lives and resides in you. Let's pray for some big things this year, amen? All right, let me just close with my last scripture because we're running out of time. It says this, Ephesians 3.20, we're going to pray for specific prayers this year. And this was Paul's anthem. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to do more than you could ever imagine in your life. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you today for this series on prayer. God, why pray? Today, God, we learn that We pray because we are strengthened in your power. And I pray today, God, that we will get a revelation as we pray and as we declare your word as the church, that, God, we will be bold in our prayers. We'll not accept being lowly any longer, but we will rise to the occasion to be who you called us to be. I thank you for that anointing over this church. I pray over a family, over every home unit in the name of Jesus that they will feel the supernatural power of the love of you, God, that it will be like a wave over them, a wave of liquid love, Father, through their hearts and their souls. Renew their love, Lord God. Renew our first love once again. And Lord, those who have been absent from your love, let them feel your love today. Let them feel your presence and anointing that God, only you truly can release over their hearts and their minds. That God, it will be unmistakable that in this moment it was your presence and your truth and your love. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing, something so special and supernatural, God. This church will walk in blessings and favor, promotion and increase in every home and family. If you're here this morning and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe you're away from God, maybe you just need to get things right, maybe you've never accepted Jesus today, 
This is the moment while you're here. It's been great worship, great word. Everything's been awesome. But God had you here for this moment to say yes to him. At one point, all of us were here saying yes to Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. None of us did. Still don't have it all figured out. But we must surrender and receive the gift of salvation from Jesus. So I'm going to have us all repeat this prayer together out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender all. Show me your love and show me your power. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a great big praise this morning. You said that prayer. We have some Bibles for you at guest services. I'd love to meet you this morning. I love you all. God bless you. And let's welcome Pastor Paul. All right. Hallelujah.